the praise due to you alone. For you are God alone. You rule and reign supreme in all heaven and earth. We bow at your feet. We give you honor, dominion, majesty, power. For you alone created all things. Father, may it please you to visit us this hour. May your word be unveiled to us. May we walk in the understanding of your ways. That your kingdom, O oh God, may prosper in us and prosper through us. Everywhere we go. For it's in Jesus' awesome name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to welcome everyone who has uh, turned up this morning to be a part of this uh, fellowship. Our meditation is centered on learning to walk with God. Nobody is born with it. Everybody has to learn to walk with God. And we're going to use the experience of uh, people in the, in the Bible, particularly how God actualized his plans and purposes through men. So come with me to Exodus chapter 1 and we read from verse 8. Exodus chapter 1 from verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shepra, the name of the other poor. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. For they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. 
Therefore God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save a life. Amen. Now we learn to walk with God by looking very closely at the Bible events, seeing the connection between the story and God, so that we wouldn't just know the story, but we wouldn't see God that is behind the story. Now, we can rewrite the story of the emergence of Israel as a nation by piecing together the vital elements of the story beginning from Abraham to Moses. There are key elements in the story that, that are quite revealing. But the first thing to note is that it was a relay race. And we have key actors who made major differences. And it is through these people that we gain insight into God and his ways so that we can walk with him with understanding. The first move was the call of Abraham. And that uncanny communion that opened the story, the fact that a pagan, okay, could hear the voice of Almighty God reveals the awesome wonders of God's grace. You know, maybe you have been hearing about grace and grace, and you really don't, you know, quite understand what this grace is uh, all about. But when you see here, what you, we see here is an awesome demonstration of God's grace. Because this man was not godly. He was not a God worshiper. But because of divine choice that the Bible says is, a, is an exclusive prerogative of God and there is nothing anybody, anywhere can do about it. Yes. Divine choice. He revealed his word to Abraham. Now, here's the conversation as documented for us in Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, verse 1, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Perhaps this was not one of those communion of the Holy Spirit, you know? Uh, uh, um, um, when you teach about communion of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes people will ask you that one million dollar question. But how do I know it is God? Yes, I hear many things in my heart. Which of them is God? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps, you know, because uh, if he had been communion, Abraham may have been uh, uh, bedeviled by that uh, uh, doubt. Was he really God? Was he not God? You know, 
perhaps because like was very common in the Old Testament this may have been one of those theophanies like the theologians call it the manifestation of God physically in the Old Testament and every time that happens the, 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 the phrase the angel of the Lord is used because you see to create such a powerful certainty for Abraham to take a journey of over a thousand five hundred kilometers you know by foot more or less following his uh, herd of cattle and sheep you know to undertake such a journey you must have a solid conviction and so if it was a theophany you and I can understand it you know and uh, it might have been a theophany because um, in Genesis chapter 18 Abraham saw three men you know and he immediately sensed again that hmm, these three men are not ordinary uh -uh, uh -uh. So, so maybe because of that earlier experience he was able to recognize theophany when God has come down in the, in the likeness of man okay this was what must have empowered that move from Syria to Canaan in faith and hope which has now elongated over thousands of years into the nation of Israel today isn't that awesome <laughs> you see we say a promise is a promise when God is the maker of what? The promise. Yes. A promise is a promise. And it's not like the promises of men. You know, when you turn around and say, oh, but you promise, oh, dear me, dear me, I totally, <laughs> I completely forgot. <laughs> you know, but, but when that promise is made by the Lord God Almighty, you can, you can count on it. You can stake your future and destiny on it. And that's why we follow God. That when you hear a clear word from the Lord, then you can stand on it. And that's why we seek after God. That's why we seek after God. You know? And so, when we read such scriptures, it should empower us. It should enable us. It should convince us. To do exactly what the Apostle James wrote in James chapter 4, verse 8, where he said, Draw near to God, and He will what? Draw near to you. Yes. It's a choice. It's a choice. You know, people like David said in Psalm 20, he said, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But we depend on the name of the Lord our God. If you make your choice, you make your choice. You know? Nobody, nobody follows the Lord without these pivotal decisions. You know, you have to make up your mind that I will seek the Lord my God with what? All my heart. Yes. Yes. And, and you see, such decisions, they are deep inside. You don't place it as a placard in front of you. I seek the Lord with all my heart. No. It's something that is deep in you and who knows it very well? The Lord God himself. That you have decided in your heart, you have decided in your life to seek 
the Lord your God with what? All your heart. That's why James says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And you know how to draw near to God. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In James chapter 4, verse 8, what does it mean? You know, James had earlier said in James chapter 1, that a double-minded person is unsteady, unstable in all his ways. So when he speaks about double-minded, he's speaking about people who have a singular faith, you know, in God. They trust the Lord their God with all their heart. Now, we know very, although we know very little of Abraham's relationship at this very early beginnings of uh, his encounter, we can be sure that he showed a measure of faith and sincerity. This is what you and I must carefully note, that when a man shows faith and sincerity before God, men may not see it, they may not know it, but who sees and knows it? God, yes, yes. That's why you, you shouldn't be too much worried, you know, what people are saying or thinking, no. Be sure that your heart is with God. Be sure that your heart is pure before God. Be sure that your love for God is unqualified. And that, that nobody, nothing, nobody and nothing takes precedence over your God in your life. Can somebody say amen to that? But this journey, um, it, it reveals, this journey between Abraham and God, it reveals some milestones that are very very revealing of the nature and character of god that enables you and i to follow him with understanding okay so when you get into a certain juncture say, hmm, there is a similarity between where i am and what i see in the word of god yes that's a similarity so let's go to genesis chapter 15 Okay, a very important milestone on this journey. Verse 7 says, Then God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abraham said, Oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. Verse 13, and the Lord said to Abraham, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you yourself, you will go to your 
ancestors in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, this is a reasonable, long conversation from a divine perspective. But as we read it, one thing is sticking out clearly. 400 years it will take to form a nation from your family. Okay? And now think about it. <laughs> to form a nation from one family. And God said, it will take a while. Because such things don't happen uh, over... No, no, they don't happen overnight. It's not everything that can happen overnight. No, no. So it will take 400 years. And in those 400 years, God is going to kill many birds with uh, one stone. Yes. Because these, your descendants, will be transformed into a nation. But it will be an unpleasant uh, experience. Mm, they will be slaves. You know, if they had been masters, they would not have learned the skills. They had to be slaves to acquire the skills. Because it's the slaves that do the work. Okay? So, so, so in one verse, while all this is going on, they will be acquiring the skill. That's why when Moses came to the wilderness and God said, build the tabernacle. And he said, I have seen, I've called uh, Bazalil and Aholiab. Yes, I've called them. I've put skills in them. They will build this tabernacle. Yes. If they didn't uh, learn those skills in Egypt, <laughs> they wouldn't have been anybody. They would have been saying, oh, we have to go and hire the Egyptians to do it. You know? So they had amongst them people who had acquired skills in all manner of works, metal, uh, uh, stone, they had acquired skills. And so they could do exactly what the Lord wanted. That's one stone. And that's one bird. Then the other bird is the, what we call divine justice. Okay? He said... Part of the reason why also this is going to take 400 years is because the iniquity of the Amorites is what? Is not complete. Now that's a revelation of divine justice. You know? He said, these Amorites, I'm going to judge them and I'm going to dispossess them and I'm going to give their land to their descendants. But I won't do it. It will take 400 years for these Amorites to complete their cup of uh, iniquity. Abraham, Amorites are sinning, but they're sinning very slowly. Yes, they're sinning very slowly. You know, and there is no way we can hurry them, you know, and say, Amorites, you are delaying me. Go and sin uh, faster, faster, faster. You know, go and sin faster. Because we want to possess in 100 years. He said the iniquity of the Amorites is not complete. And in fact, the history now recorded 
that even the MRI slowed down because it took 430 years. Yes, they even slowed down. And that's how you realize that some prayers just cannot be answered. No, cannot be answered. Because, you see, they can make you a promise and say, well, it has to be the next generation. And you are, like, agitated. Oh, you are praying in tongues. Let this thing happen next week. Without seeing that, the implication is that the person you are going to displace has to see faster. Yes. And God is not in the business of helping people see Uh-uh. Uh-uh. God is in the business of helping them slow down, slow down in their sin. Or even stop totally. Look at the king of Nineveh. Jonah said 40 days. 40 days! <laughs> the king of Nineveh got up and said, eh, 40 days? 40 days? He called everybody. Goat, cattle, sheep, everybody must fast. And uh, Jonah 3 10 said, God looked down from heaven. Wow! 40 days became over a hundred years. Yes. So you may want to replace somebody. And they, they, they change from sinning fast to sinning slow. Ah. There is nothing you can... Uh, uh, because the Bible says in Psalm, in, in, in Psalm 75, it said, promotion. It does not come from the east or from the west. He says, God is judge. He brings down one and then he uh, elevates another. You know? So... They are waiting for somebody to come down to take their place. And they are supposed to uh, be judged. But unfortunately, you know, they changed gear and started singing very slowly. That means that thing you are thinking you will get to next year. You have to... Yes, you have to wait. They are singing slowly. And what is the revelation here? It, that revelation tells you that the God you serve, you and I serve, is a God of what? justice. Yes, he cannot judge a man until their cup of iniquity is uh, complete. Yes, he cannot judge a man. You know, the reason is clear. The Bible says in Psalm 145 verse 17, the God we serve is righteous in what? All his ways. What is the implication of that statement? That there is nobody who can go to God and say, you were unfair to me. No, 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 no. Nobody can say that. Nobody can go to God and say you were unfair to me. You know, you judged me prematurely. No, there's no such thing. That's why Jesus came and said to his disciples, God is light. And in him is what? No darkness at all. There is no iniquity in God. There is none. If you thought there was inconsistency in God, know that it's a factor of your ignorance. You don't have the facts before you. So, so we learn, we learn a lot of lessons about the God we serve, that this God is righteous in all his ways. That no matter, no matter how desperate you are to have divine intervention, that divine intervention is regulated by divine justice. 
and that divine justice is regulated by divine holiness and there is nothing you can do because God cannot violate himself so these are some of the lessons that you and I learn and, and we then and, and that's what that's why I say to people if God asks you to sit down here better sit down because if you run to to that place you think you are going you would have waited here for uh, 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 maybe uh, four weeks and then traveled for four weeks then you ran very fast and got there now you have to wait there for two two months yes so when you now wait for one week you say ah, i've been here for one week say, ah, hmm. just cool your head you came here faster than you should yes yes you see see god god regulates his world so that everything will comply with divine holiness you nobody can can make god do what is wrong it's not possible it is not possible that's why you see all these prayers fall down and die fall down and die <laughs> you know <laughs> you cannot fall down and die you see god will look into his book their cup of iniquity is not uh, is not full there's nothing anybody can do there's nothing anybody can do so it's important you know uh, 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 to understand that uh, god has his ways and it is the duty of you and i to learn about god and what his ways yes yes you know i keep repeating that scripture in uh, ephesians 1 11. the bible says that god does all things after the counsel of his own will oh yes nobody tells him what to do nobody tells him what to do and so when you understand that you know that it is in your greatest interest to walk with god you know according to his will and according to his ways and then everything will fall in line everything will fall in line okay moses uh, uh, as part of this his journey with god opened up another chapter for us in exodus 33 verse 13 now therefore i pray he knew moses knew how fundamental it is for you and i to know god and his ways okay so that we stop all this desperation right left and center no no there is no place for desperation you can see how how the world is unfolding every day so moses said to god now therefore i pray if i have found grace in your sight show me now your ways that i may know you and that i may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people and he said my presence will go with you and i will give you rest the divine response to his request is quite revealing okay my presence will go with you moses said show me your ways and god says my presence will go with you so we learn that when the divine presence is with us we are able to learn the ways of god in the instruction and the directives that he will give us day by day i'll give you one classic example you know when moses was in the wilderness 
God was trying to convince him to come and lead the Exodus. Okay, he gave him certain miracles. Okay, the drugs that he dropped that became a, a serpent. Okay, and the hand that he put in his armpit that became a leprous. The water he poured on the ground that turned, I think that was to lice or something. Okay, so now Moses is armed with all these miracles. But do you know that the very first day he got to Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. Moses did not perform any miracle. You know, and I can imagine Moses when Pharaoh said, Who is God that I should um, um, uh, obey him? Moses must have said to God, Is it time to drop this uh, rod so that this serpent will bite this Pharaoh? <laughs> and, he will, and he will learn. Uh, 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 and God said, mm -hmm. So, you know, at the end of that encounter, Pharaoh got away with the impression that this Moses is all about what? Words. Empty, empty words. Empty words. And so what did he do? He made the life of the Hebrews what? Harder, more difficult. You know? And then the supervisors who were Hebrews were now included in the suffering. Before it was the slaves that suffered and the supervisors supervised them to produce whatever it was the Egyptians wanted. But now, with the new development, every day that came in the supervisors, you did not fulfill the quota of your work today. They came them. So now, not only the slaves are being killed, the supervisors are being as well. But now, now, you step back and look at it and you realize what God was doing. This is one of the swiftest mass mobilization in history. Because in one fell swoop, everybody was ready for the exodus. If, if Moses had come and said, First says the Lord, we are going tomorrow. The supervisors will oppose it. Naturally. Why would they oppose it? They are privileged in that society. Okay? They are not uh, working in the sand pit and they are the ones that the Egyptians have put in charge. And they know, of course, that when they get into the wilderness, Moses will not make them supervisors. No. Moses will not make them supervisors. So naturally, they would have opposed the exodus. They would have opposed the exodus. And that would have been very difficult to organize. But with the supervisors being caned every day, <laughs> on the day of the exodus, everybody was ready to... Oh, yes. But you know, we and I are reading it. It reads very well. It's very interesting. But it was of maximum frustration for Moses. Because um, when the supervisors went to complain to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 5, said, how, ca how can you do this to us? How can you do this to us? You didn't give us straw, and yet you didn't reduce the tally of bricks. And Pharaoh said, yeah, 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 I do. Because you're listening to Moses saying, we want to go and serve God in the wilderness. Go away, go away. Not a single straw will be given you, and the tally of bricks will not be... Reduced. Mm -mm. And when they came out of Pharaoh, who did they see? 
Moses and Aaron. He said, God will judge you. <laughs> God will judge you. Okay, so now, suppose you are the one now, you came and, 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 and God gave you commission and you are bristling with those miracles you came with. I know, and you are, you are so excited. And the people you came to help say, God will judge you. <laughs> when you get home that day, what will you say to yourself? You say, you see me, you see my trouble. <laughs> I should have stayed quietly in the media and I was already retired, self. You know, you know. Why, why is God judging me again? <laughs> and then Moses went desperately to God. But you see, in retrospect, you and I can see the divine method of mass mobilization. You know, that it's through that suffering that he made everybody uncomfortable in the Egyptian society. So that when Exodus came, everybody was ready to go. But you see, the divine ways and methods, they're not spelled out like that. Nobody sat down and said, okay, for, for purposes of mass mobilization, okay, here's what we're doing. John, you campaign in the uh, Western uh, something. Uh, Peter, ca campaign, you know, you know uh, mount a podium there and convince them. No. Just with little suffering, everybody was ready to go. <laughs> And these are the, the ways that um, when you look at it carefully, you say, this is our God. He has his what? Ways. He has his ways. And that's why when you find yourself in a certain situation, you are looking for those ways. What is God doing? What is he doing? You know, can I see God in all this that is happening? You know? So, so this is, that's why we learn about the ways of God so that we can walk with God with understanding we will not be agitated we will not be terrified we, nobody will intimidate us because we can see what God is uh, doing yes we can see what God is doing you know particularly you know uh, for those who, who come every day morning and evening praying for a new Nigeria praying for global revival praying you know and, 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 and then you wake up you are scanning the horizon you know, they are scanning the horizon. You know, is anybody hearing this hour? Eh? Is anybody hearing? Is anybody hearing? You know. And that's why sometimes you go to God and say, Lord, I know, I know you know what you are doing. You know, remember I told you I prayed that prayer. <laughs> I know you know what you are doing. But I need a little uh, encouragement. Eh? I need a little I just need a little encouragement. I cannot dispute that you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. You know. But I am a human being. I need a little encouragement. Yes. So that I can follow intelligently. So I can follow with understanding. So I can follow, you know, with all my heart. You know. So, so after a while you realize that, you know, you know. From, from a few of your experiences that yes, even though I could not tell what God was doing but now in retrospect I can say with certainty that God as for God, his ways are perfect yes, his ways are perfect you know he always knows what he's doing his ways are perfect and this is, this is the critical element in faith that a man, even though he may have challenges, even though he may have difficulties, 
But because he understands that God himself, the God of the Bible, he will go repeatedly and say to him, Lord, I am confident of what you are doing. Because I know that you are God of all knowledge and you know what you are doing. And then one day, it will become what? Clearer to me. Yes! That's how we follow God. That's how we follow God. He said, Lord, I don't know, but I'll keep, I'll keep doing That's why he said to Moses, my presence will go with you. So that when I'm giving you instruction, you don't sit down and say, but Lord, how will this work? <laughs> Nobody does that. If you want to walk by faith, you know, he said, Lord, Lord, you have to tell me how this will work first before I will do it. Ah, they don't follow God that way. Okay? So, so when God said to Moses, don't drop, don't drop, he didn't drop. And then as a result of that, Pharaoh got bolder. But by the time you get to Exodus chapter 8, and the frogs were everywhere, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron. He said, please, this frog is such a terrible menace. Please, plead with God to, to, to get rid of this frog for me. And Moses said to Pharaoh, be my guest. Tell me exactly where you want these frogs to leave you. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow morning. And Moses said, tomorrow morning it will be. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yes. You see, Moses said, tomorrow morning it will be that you may know that I serve a God in whose power are what? All things. All things. Okay? And the Bible said when Moses came out of Pharaoh's presence, he lifted up his hand to heaven and said, Lord, I have agreed with Pharaoh that the frogs will leave Egypt tomorrow morning. I thank you for endorsing me. Ah, yes! Yes! I thank you for endorsing me. This is what it's about. And that's why you and I are going that after a while, okay, you have walked with God with understanding. You understand his ways. You have seen him in various circumstances and situations. You have seen him manifest his awesome greatness and power, but all in his own time. All in his own time. Okay? And so now you are following him quietly. You are following him confidently. You are following him with patience. You are doing everything as he has instructed. Because that is the key to faith. It's not to say, Lord, I, I, I'm tired. Okay, now, we cannot continue to wait for you. I mean, the people are suffering. And then you go and organize a rebellion in the sand pits. And the Egyptians will come and kill up with everybody. You know, like happened the first time. You know, Moses killed one Egyptian. And, and, and because he was so anxious to help the, the Hebrews. I said, in retrospect, it doesn't make any sense. How can the death of one Hebrew deliver over 600 adults from the sand pits of Egypt? It doesn't make any sense. But such is the, is the, is the impulsive nature of passion that people out of passion, out of unrestrained impulse, jump into all kinds of things. And all they end up doing is modeling the whole thing. Because when Moses did that, he had to be in Midian for 40 years. Oh, yes. As a fugitive from justice. Because he tried to do the work 
in his own way by his own power. Those are the things that you, you and I learn. That no matter how anxious you may be, no matter how desirous you may be to get results, nobody makes God hurry. No. Because according to that scripture, he does all things after the counsel of his own will. Yes. Yes. And that's why it is the duty. We, we know it, that it is the duty of man to wait for God. Oh yes, it is the duty of man to wait for God. And after a while, you learn to wait for God in your life. You know, you learn to wait for God in your life. There's no need being stampeded to all manners of decisions. No, no. Because once you do that, they are going to mess up things. They are going to mess up things. Because God has everything ordered. You know, look at, look, look at, there's, a, there's so much lesson in nature, particularly today. You know, the, the, the people tell us that Andromeda, have you heard of Andromeda? Yes, Andromeda is approaching us. <laughs> Andromeda is approaching us. But that it will take two billion years. <laughs> Does it make any sense? <laughs> so, if Andromeda is approaching us to collide with us, and it will take two billion years, <laughs> it's a non-issue. <laughs> it's a non-issue. <laughs> so, 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 God has everything ordered, everything organized. And, and so, what the, the, the purpose of learning the ways of God is to carefully find your place in the divine scheme of uh, things. Yes! Carefully find your place. So that you too will join the universe in moving orderly. Yes! <laughs> As God has ordained. It's an awesome experience because you see, once you once you don't fit into that order, ah, you will see all kinds of topsy-turvy experiences going on because you're out of location, you're out of place, you're out of sync with the divine order and the divine will. But that's why Moses said, hmm, "If your presence is not going to go with us, ah, then we, there's no way we will live here because we need those instructions." to position us, reposition us, adjust our, our, our style. We need it constantly. We need it constantly. So that we can always be in the flow of what God is doing in our lives and in our time. This is really, you know, and that's why once, once you uh, 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 sense that ah, every time I'm praying desperate uh, prayer, ah, then something is fundamentally wrong. Oh, yes. Yes. If I'm praying desperate prayers, you know, today I need, a, I need chalk and I have to fast and pray. Ramana touch for chalk. Okay. Then tomorrow I need spoon. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Because you see, if I'm, if I'm in that place, if I need chalk, I turn a corner, there is a chalk. 
If I need spoon, I turn another corner. There is a spoon. Just the way it is in God's order. Because he has made what? Provision. He's a God who makes provision. So, so it's important that as believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we should follow his ways. Because he came here and he declared to you and I, I came down from heaven in John 6, 38, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. And then in John 5, 19, he said to the Jews, the son can do nothing of himself except what he sees the father do. And whatsoever the father does, so does the son. Yes, so does the son. So Jesus came here to reveal to us that don't come here and try to impose your ways on the Lord God Almighty. You will just be heading for a crash. But come here and, and look at me and listen to me and then follow God in your life one step after another. Yes, Jesus said the son cannot begin until the father has uh, finished. Yes, it's when the father finishes that the son begins. Because what things soever the father does, that's then what the son will have to do. Okay? So it's important that we understand God and his ways because a lot of people, you know, they, they think there's a magic formula out there. No. God is about principles. It's the same way he made the world. You know, there's a gravity. You know, as a, as a, a, a child in elementary school, it was impossible for me to imagine that the world was fair, was a sphere. Because I, would be, I was thinking that people who live in South Africa, they would have uh, fallen off. Yes! You know, they would have fallen off. And I kept, they kept telling us, I said, no, it makes more sense to believe that the world is... Uh, yes! Yes, it makes more sense to believe that the world is flat. Because I can't imagine that, uh, you know, you, you have a sphere and somebody is standing here and he's not falling down into space. <laughs> you know? But thus, thus is the wonder of God's creation. That everybody realizes that some party, if not that gravity is uh, tying you and I to the ground. Ah, we would have all fallen we, Even we two that are the equator, we would have fallen out. The only people that can stay are people on the North Pole. Yes. If nothing is holding us down. But first is the awesome wonder of God that he has made a provision for everything. Has made provision. It took a while, of course, you know. It took a while for man to realize that there must be something. You know, and finally Newton made all his three laws of uh, motion. Yes, the Newton's laws of motion that uh, cracked the mystery of you and I not falling into space. <laughs> Amen. So, so it's important now to, to gain insight and use this to order your life, you know, and bring it into order, divine order, so that things will begin to work for you before the Lord. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. So, 
A righteous God cannot displace the Amorites because there is something in God called divine long-suffering. Oh, yes. That's what he revealed to Moses, that there is something in God that has an elongated, it's not completely elastic. That's why people, people make a mistake. Divine patience is not elastic and that has no limit. In other words, you can continue to stretch it indefinitely. No! No! Yes, there is divine long-suffering. But always have it at the back of your mind that it is not elastic. Because at some point, it will reach its what? Limit. Oh, yes! And then judgment will follow. Judgment will follow. Because, you see, what he said to Abraham was the way the Amorites are going, whatever everything they're doing is still within the uh, limit of their divine patience for them. Oh yes, it's still within the limit. And those are, that's why we have to carefully study God and his ways. Listen to this in um, Exodus chapter 34 verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, within this limit of divine forbearance, okay, all manners of mercies and graces follow. By no means, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, now, you see, there are examples, you know, in the Bible that reveal this. Okay? The children of Israel, they came out of Egypt. You remember? When they came out of Egypt, the Bible says they came to that pass before the Red Sea. The Red Sea was in front. The mountain was on the right. The mountain was in the left. And the Egyptians were behind. And they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt? that you have come to kill all of us here. Okay. And then God did as if he didn't hear them. Okay. And he said to Moses, this is not the time for prayer. Ask the people of Israel to move forward, move forward. And you take your rod, strike the water, it will part. Okay. So, you see an example that in spite of unbelief, answers still came. Oh, Yes. In spite of their own belief, answer still came. Okay, okay, okay. So, so now they cross the Red Sea. The next thing, water. Water. What did they say? Is it because there are no grave? This is the what we told, told you. Leave us to serve the Egyptians. You have brought us out here to die of thirst in the wilderness. Again, God did as if he did not. Uh, mm, it's okay, Moses, do, do this, do this. Then the water uh, came again. Okay? And then the food they brought out of Egypt finished. Then they came to Moses again. Is it because there are no grace in Egypt <laughs> that you have brought us to starve us to death in this wilderness? And God said, tell them tomorrow, you know, there will be food. I will give you angels' food uh, to eat. Okay? So manna came, you know, and uh, he said, but I will test them. I will test them. 
Tell them that nobody must collect more than a day's ration. Okay? And then on Friday, collect two days' ration. Manna will not fall on Saturday. <laughs> but on Saturday, many people still went out to collect. They still went out to collect. They said, I want to test these people to know whether they, they obey God. Whether when they hear what God is saying, they will do it. You know? And some people will not collect for two days on, um, on Monday. And then the next morning it is rotten. I said, ah, why, why can't you just simply follow what God is saying? Yes. They say collect one day, every day, one day, every day. And then on Friday, collect for two days. Now, some of them will collect for two days on Monday, and some of them will come on Friday, collect for one day, and then they go on Saturday to collect. All of these reveal to you that when people don't hear God, or they hear God and they don't follow what God is saying, sooner or later, trouble will... Uh, oh, yes, sooner or later. And now, what was the next problem? Every day, mana, 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 mana. Ah. What type of uh, life is that? Mana, 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 mana. Yeah? Can God set a table of delicacies in the wilderness? You know, where is meat? Where is meat? Moses, yeah, we, this is what we told you. We, 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 we miss the onion. We miss the garlic. We, we miss, we miss. <laughs> okay, okay, now. God, God said to Moses, these people, they are trying me. They are trying me. Okay, tell them that tomorrow they will eat meat. They will not eat it for one day. They will not eat it for two days. They will eat it for one month until it is coming out of their... Yes. 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 So they ate meat. They ate meat. So you see, when a people are behaving like that, they are walking in unbelief. They cannot trust God. They assume that no matter what I do, no matter what I do not do, God will continue to bless me. Yes, that is the wrong conclusion. That is the wrong conclusion. You know, and, that, and, and that's why, you know, it is important to know God and his ways so that when things are really uh, coming and you're not really showing faith and God is still with you, ah, don't think he's going to continue like that. No. The Bible doesn't reveal that. Because if you go to Numbers 13, Moses then said, choose 12 people, go and spy the land and come and report back to us. And they came back. They said the land is good. Very good. You know, but, but hey, <laughs> before you get excited, there are children of uh, Anak, there are giants, the giants are there. You know, and do you know something? When we saw that those giants, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And so were we in our own eyes. I can even understand the second one. That when you saw the giants, you considered yourself a, a grasshopper. But to say that you were like grasshoppers in their own eyes, that's the one I don't understand. Because did you go to meet the... Nah. How do I look to you? <laughs> you are a spy. <laughs> you are sold to go and spy a land and you are going for 
for, for some uh, opinion poll. Now, how, how do I really look in your eyes? Of course, you look like that so far. I knew it. <laughs> Even I myself, I knew it. For such is the power of unbelief. You know, to so mentally confuse a man that even some the conclusion he should not come to, he came to it. You know, how can you say you were like grasshoppers in their eyes? Did you ask them? But you know, they kept thinking that no matter what they do, no matter what they do not do, God will always uh, be with them. But when they came back, and Joshua and Caleb said, Ah, no, 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 no. These people are our meat. If God is with us, uh -uh, we, are, we already uh, defeated them. They said, bring stone and stone these people. They want us to go out and perish them. Let us just stay here in this wilderness. Ah. Then God came down and said, Moses, I'm counting. Ten times now. He said, ten times now they have continued in this way. Now tell them. Tell them. Thus says the Lord. Numbers 14. All the people who said they would die in the wilderness. Tell them that as they have spoken in my ear, so will I do to them. Their carcasses will fall in this wilderness. It's only their children that will now go and inherit the land. And then they turned around and said to Moses, Ah, Moses, please go and tell God that we are sorry. Please, please beg him, tell him we are sorry. That we are now going to take the land. Actually, we are going tomorrow morning to take the land. Moses said, Don't, <laughs> don't go because God is not uh, no anymore. God has left you. He has finished your case. He has closed it. That is it. That is it. Because you see, you don't realize that there's a limit. And he doesn't tell you that the next one is the last one. Yes, that's the problem about this cup of iniquity. You know, if they tell you that you've been drinking emu, pami, pami, they've been drinking, drinking, drinking. You know, and they tell you that the next cup you drink, that will spell disaster for your body. If they had told you from that day, I see, Shevi, you will not drink again. Anywhere you see Pami, you say, no, nah, just, just, just carry that thing away. But they don't give anybody that type of uh, update, you know. You do not need them and say, Lord, how far have I gone now? Please, I want to see my cup of, uh, in, uh, so that I can begin to, to take uh, precautions. No, that's why we study the Bible. And we realize that they don't give such warnings. They don't give such notices. You know. So if you keep carrying on presumptuously, sooner or later, something is bound to happen. It's bound to happen. And that's why we say, don't presume. You know, that divine forbearance, divine long-suffering, divine patience, it is not elastic. So we can keep uh, stretching it endlessly. No. It has an elastic limit. Yes, it stretches. But at some point, it will reach its limit. And then, judgment will follow. 
And that's why you keep warning. The Apostle Paul said, I teach every man. I warn every man. As we were studying in the book of Colossians. Be careful now. Be careful now. Because if you continue to live in this way, if you persist in living in, in this way, sooner or later, something is bound to happen. Oh, yes. Sooner or later. And so that's why we are careful in our lives to, to, to follow the Lord. And as we go on in this study, understanding God and his ways, so that you and I can walk with God with understanding. And then you can be warning people, hmm, be careful now. You know, be careful now. Don't continue to, to do this. You know, I, 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 I went to pray for someone. And the Lord said to me, don't bother yourself. Okay? He said, this matter is closed. He said to me, he said, there is nothing anybody, anywhere can what? Can do about it. You know, do you know, I said this song where somebody said, such a thing is not possible. God is a God of mercy and grace. I say, yes, he is. But he is not elastic that you can continue to stretch it. No, it's not. It's not. The Bible doesn't reveal that. You see, divine favor, divine grace, divine mercy, divine long suffering. It is not elastic. So don't stop stretching it. One day you will uh, get to the limit and they don't tell you when you are near the limit. They don't tell you. So, our prayer is that uh, as we uh, uh, continue to study this, the Holy Spirit will open our eyes Amen. to understand God and his ways. So that we will walk with God with understanding. Because when people don't walk with God with understanding, then they fall foul of him. And then all of a sudden they start asking, but what did I even do? I say, eh? <laughs> God is righteous in what? All his ways. He can never judge a man without reason. No. No. We may not understand, you know. The Bible says whatsoever a man sows, he's going to reap. But you and I know the problem with that statement. It has a problem. And what is that problem? Sowing and reaping may be so disconnected in time. You know? So disconnected in time. That by the time you are reaping, you, know, you don't connect it to the sowing. Yes. Yes. It's, it's like a, 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 a agriculture. You sow some things. In three months, they are ready for harvest. You, yes, you sow others in six months like him, they're ready for harvest. But you sow some. They say, if you sow, if you sow, um, what is this? Um, no, cocoa, how long does that one take? Nine years. Five years. Yes. But there is one, this, um, we call it bamboo. Bamboo. 25 years. If you sow it now, 25 years, it's, it's staying there quiet. <laughs> and then when it starts, in six months, it's up in the sky. That's the way life is. And so that's why we are, we are very careful to learn God about God and his ways. Yes, yes. And continue to encourage one another and, and admonish one another like the Apostle Paul said. Let us follow God with understanding. Let us be careful. The Apostle Paul said to the Ephesians, walk circumspectly. Know what that statement means? Look before you live. Yes, walk circumspectly before God. 
Always determining what the will of God is. Always. 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 And the more we do that, the better and the more integrated our life will be. Let us bow our heads to pray. Let us bow our heads to pray. Father, we ask that it may please you to teach us your ways. That we may purify our hearts to serve you in holiness and righteousness. To walk in your will. To follow your ways. That it may be well with us as you promised. And it will be well with our children forever. Thank you for your faithful God. We give honor, glory, dominion, majesty and praise to your holy name. And Lord, may everyone who has been a part of this service, may their lives never be the same again. That we all will walk in your will and in your ways. To the glory of your name and to the blessing of our lives from generation to generation. For it's in Jesus' awesome name we have prayed. Amen. Amen.